Hi everyone, Wynn Claybaugh here. This week's Masters Classic features Lisa Orell, an in-demand speaker and consultant hired by major corporations to educate their leaders about how to improve their generation relations. Listen in as Lisa reveals the keys to successfully leading and working with people from any generation. Then share this with your friends and visit mastersbywinclaybaugh.com to sign up for our mailing list. Masters podcasts are also available on your favorite podcast platforms. Hi, everybody. This is Wynn Claybaugh, and welcome to this issue of Masters, which um, I'm kind of excited about, but I, I will tell you something. I have done more work in preparing for this interview than I have in any interview I've ever done, and for several reasons. First of all, I'm very, very passionate about the message of this woman that we're going to interview here today. I love her message, and it is so timely for everybody listening, especially in the beauty industry, especially in any industry. And second of all, the reason why I did so much preparation is because it's not really a topic that I instinctively know a lot about. So I I really wanted to be ready. So I I educated myself about it and I was just overwhelmed by the information in a very simple book that you wrote called Millennials Incorporated. Please welcome Lisa Orell. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you, Wynn. I'm so glad to be here. This will be great. Now, the, the cool thing about your book was you said that you, you got some good advice that if you're going to write a business book, it had to be read on a flight from L.A. to San Francisco, short to the point, right? Yes. If a literary agent in New York told me that, that if, if you can't read it from there to from L.A. to San Francisco on a flight, it's too long. So I was very thrilled that I didn't have to write, you know, a, a huge novel. Oh, well, then it, it totally worked for me because, of course, I didn't read it that fast. It took me like three days because that's how I read. <laughs> okay. But I marked it up like crazy, and, and I got so excited about what I read. I have to tell our listeners that I actually hired you to come down and you just spent uh, three hours with my staff sharing the information that you're going to share in this interview. And so very, very valuable. And and your topic is this millennial generation. Correct. And uh, why this is such a hot topic is that this is the generation that's going to be taking over. This is the largest generation of any other generation, correct, in history. Yes, yes. I think you get some statistics that within the next, you know, five to ten years, you know, the majority of our current workforce is going to be retiring, and this is the generation that's going to come in and take their place. And so I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about this millennial generation, and so you're going to kind of help us weed through all of that. But just a bit more information on who Lisa is. You're a 20-year marketing and branding expert in the Silicon Valley, so you've always had your, your, your finger on the pulse of the next big trend. You've had an ad agency for over two decades. Along with your team there, your leadership, you have won over 100 national and international awards for marketing and creative excellence. You've kind of coined this other phrase called chickenomics, mm-hmm. which we're not going to yeah. talk about today, but I've, <laughs> I've, I really want to get that one down on a CD one of these times. Yeah, we'll talk about that. I, I got the trademark for chickenomics, and it's all about women empowerment and uh, how women are you know, taking over the economy and business and all that, but that's that's another area I'll be going. Well, of course, there's nobody so. listening to this that's not already thinking. Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like we have to talk about that. Of course, yeah. they're taking over. Mm-hmm. You're also a professional speaker and, and, and author. You have a lot of topics that do impact women, but 
pretty universal with this message that you have that you're going to share with us today. And I know a lot of companies hire you to educate their human resource divisions and mm -hmm. executives and their recruiters because a lot of companies are very old school. And of course, we can name old companies that, and we'd say, well, of course they're old school. But I know salons who opened three years ago and they're already old school. They're old school mentality, they're old school leadership, they're old school in terms of how they treat their people. And what you're going to share with us today is if you have that old school mentality, you're going to be gone. You're going to be out of business. Yeah. yeah, you're going to be dealing with an incredibly high turnover rate. Cool. Well, first of all, tell us about this generation, millennials. Why do they call them millennials? Well, the millennial generation is another name for Generation Y, you know, so a lot of out there in the media about Gen Y. But one of the things and, and how it's come about for them to be called the millennial generation is that Robert Half International, in conjunction with Yahoo Hot Jobs, did a very large survey last year and actually went out there and asked them, or it wasn't that particular survey, that was one, but the one survey asking them about what they want to be called gave them a bunch of offerings. And the, the universal decision was we want to be called the millennial generation. Okay. And when asked why is that, they said, well, Gen Y feels like too much of an afterthought to Gen X, and Gen X is actually the generation that they least identify with and that people tend to find most conflict in the workplace. So baby boomers were from what year to what year, and then after baby boomers it was Generation X, yeah. what year to what year, and then millennials started around 1980. They were born 1980, 82. Yeah, there tends to be the five to ten year fudge factor at the beginning or end of any generation. Okay. Um, the millennial Gen Y generation uh, falls around the start date of about 1982 to about 2002 or so. Okay. So that would make the first graduating high school class the year of 2000. Okay. Okay, and then you've got the Gen Xers. Okay, and then with the boomers is 1946 to 1964. Okay. Okay. So I was born in 1959, so I'm a boomer. You are a boomer, and okay. I'm right on the cusp. I was born in 1964, which tends to be like a very old Gen Xer or the very new, very young boomer, like considered the last right. year of the boomer, depending on what time frame you're looking at. Okay. Well, sell us more on millennial generation because there's a lot of misconceptions mm -hmm. about that generation. This, you know, born 1980, 81, 82, graduating high school year 2000. Yep. The misconceptions are that they're lazy, that they're irresponsible, they're not focused, they're not goal oriented. Correct. And those are way, way off base. They're completely off base. First of all, how many of them are there? Experts are saying that by the time their generation date ends, so around, they're saying roughly around 2000, 2003, when all is said and done and the final uh, millennial has been born and gone through, it will be upwards of 100 million. 100 million. 100 million. And that is In taking, this country alone? That's here in the United States. And taking into consideration that they are also taking into consideration millennials coming in from other countries that are going to be establishing citizenship here. Okay. And compare that to baby boomers. How many baby boomers were there? That was around around 50 or 60 million. Okay, so this is a huge, huge, big. Yeah. And everybody will agree that baby boomers changed how business was done. Right. Okay. Yeah, actually, baby boomers is closer to 80 million. Gen X is closer around the 50 to 60 million. Okay, so this yeah. is a huge generation. Yeah, everybody was saying the boomers were the huge generation, and up until this generation, they were. Okay. So talk to us about this generation, some of the misconceptions about them. I think the main misconception is that they are lazy and they, they don't tend to be focused and they want everything quickly. I will say that they do tend to want everything quickly, but they're willing to work hard to get it. 
Okay. And a lot of companies don't think that they are willing to do that. And companies have to get creative about how to keep them enticed and how to keep this generation around so that they don't get bored and leave quickly, because they will. Okay. I also read that you say that test scores in high schools and colleges actually prove that this generation is the generation to beat. Yeah. This is a very, very smart generation. And young people are attending colleges in record-breaking numbers. So how do they get so smart? (laughs) I believe it is through the wisdom of the boomer parents who also encourage them around things saying, um, don't make the same mistakes your father and I made, get what you want out of life, don't stick with a company that's not respecting you, don't stick with a job that you don't like, I want you to have everything out of life that we had and then some, Um, I want you to work very hard, I want you to be well-rounded. So, I mean, this was the first generation that, you know, at a very young age was born practically with a daytimer in front of them saying at five years old, now you're going to go to swim class, now you're going to music class, oh, now you're going to school. Okay, now when you're done with that, we're now going to have a play date and we're going to schedule a play date. And, you know, I mean, the, the term play date came around with them. Okay, right. And this is all at five years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's all this kind of crazy stuff. But it's the boomer and the some Gen X parents are in there as well. They weren't just raised by boomers. Very goal-oriented generation. The boomers and Gen X were very goal, career-driven people, and they wanted great things for their children. Therefore, they raised them with these certain values. It's it's a very interesting dynamic. Wow. There's this quote I have to read. Yeah. From, how do you say, Bruce Tolgan? Yes, Bruce Tolgan. Because I like this from from your book. This is the most high-maintenance workforce in the history of the world. The good news is they're also going to be the highest-performing workforce in the history of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. I love that quote as well. It's true. They are going to be high maintenance. They are currently high maintenance because there are plenty of 20-somethings entering the workforce now, the professional workforce environments. And the boomers and Gen X managers that I work with and the companies that hire me to come in and do the seminars like I did for you guys today, they're experiencing this exact, exact thing. And they're realizing they're having to change some serious attitudes in corporate cultures. I'm seeing companies that have been around for 50, 60 years that are changing, aggressively changing their corporate cultures because without it, they will not attract new millennial talent, nor will they retain them. Okay. And you and I were sort of talking about this privately that you have some millennials that work for you. I have some millennials that work for me. So, I mean, listening to this and the stuff that you share, obviously you're making some generalizations here and not, not everybody's going to fit into these <laughs> to these categories. It's profiling at its finest. Absolutely. But, yeah. but, but I think for the most part, people listening to this and if you think of, okay, who do you work with or who works for you or who do you work for that is a baby boomer or that is a generation X or that is a millennial and you're going to see some similarities here or in some huge, huge wake-up calls, some huge ahas. And the, the point of all of this is how do we attract them? Yep. Okay, how do we recruit them? How do we create a culture that's attractive for them, which is a, a healthy culture, which I love, by the way? How do you retain them? How do you motivate them? How do you manage them? And at the end of the day, you know, fine, call it profitability. Because if you are a company, if you're a salon that does not know how to attract and retain this millennial generation, you're going to be missing out on profits. So. Well, I'll tell you, it, you'd mentioned it a little bit earlier when we first started, but the statistic is this, and this tends to pique people's interest very quickly, is that the average large company in the United States is facing losing 30 to 40% of its workforce over the next 
five to 15 years due to boomer retirement. Wow. The average large company will be losing 30 to 40% of its workforce. Wow. There's only as many Gen Xers on the planet as they're going to be. The yeah. ones that are born, we're here now. Yeah. Okay? The replacement for this exodus has got to be the millennials. When you look at numbers like that, and you picture a company, whether it's your size or picture a large corporation with 10,000 employees, and they're facing in the next 5 to 15 years, you know, let's say you have 10,000 employees, almost half of that workforce being gone, yeah. you not only have to have the body count to replace them to maintain your level of productivity, you need to be able to hire even more to grow. Right. So this isn't just going to be for growth. They've got to find this for sheer numbers of replacement. Wow. Forget the small and medium-sized business world that makes up the majority of our country. That's and the, just the, the thing I love about, about your message is that everything that you have to share with us about this generation is all very good news. Yeah, I love them. Bec I'm their biggest fan. So am I because <laughs> I think we were kind of raised in you sacrifice everything. Yeah. You sacrifice health, family, personal interests, hobbies, you know, to launch a career. Mm -hmm. and, and it didn't matter whether or not you liked your job. That didn't matter. You're going to show up. You're going to work your butt off, and, and you're not going to you know, speak ill about it. Right. And I, I think they come along, and they have better standards. They have better balance than, than we were raised with. And I think, again, this is very, very good news. 22-year-olds are showing up into the professional workforce demanding a work-life balance strategy from their employer. It's not an option. It's you, I want a work-life balance, and if your corporation does not, or your company, your business does not feel this way, then you are not where I want to work. I'm willing to work hard. However, I want my time off to be able to, to do certain things that I want to do and spend time with my family and friends. And no, I don't plan on being here 60 or 70 hours a week. Right. So a 22-year-old is already saying, I need balance with my friends. I need balance with my family. I need to work out. I need to do volunteer work. Yeah, I need to have time off to go to yoga. I need to do these things. Right. And if you can't handle it, then I don't want to work. <laughs> and the mistake that we make as a boss is... What do you mean? When I was your age, I walked five miles in the snow to do a haircut. How dare you? The, you bah, the worst thing in the world anybody can say to a millennial right. is when I was your age or right. when I first started out. They don't care. They just, and why should they? Yeah, big deal. Sorry, that's the way it was when you were at work. It's not the way it is right. now. You know, New technologies, life has evolved, things have happened. They don't care. Okay, you, you mentioned earlier that part of what created them were these boomer parents or generation X parents yeah. who raised these kids with a, a different set of values. Yes. I mean, they, they learned from their own mistakes and they wanted to pass something better on to their kids. And so they raised them with balance. They raised them with self-help books because we were all desperate back then. And so we were, you know, eating up all the self-help books. Back in the books. 80s, you know, everybody was reading all the all And that's what we, of course, then passed on to our kids and you shared some other things that the baby on board signs yeah and I mean people really have to put it in perspective when I talk about you know basically how Millennials came to be like how did this value set system come and I always laugh at the managers and boomers that, that I'm, I'm speaking to and I'm saying you know hey you created them you know they'll sit there in the audience frustrated as all heck and I'll just sit there and go you created them chances are you have one at home right okay so and you they, raised yeah, them yeah they didn't just land like pods from you know the movie cocoon <laughs> they're not being raised in people's swimming pools okay right. they're showing up right and they are raised based <laughs> on parents typically boomer parents who said don't make the same mistakes your dad and I did you know love your job 
if you're not being treated with respect by your boss, if you don't enjoy what you do, life's too darn short, don't make the same mistake your dad and I did. Yeah. Staying 10, 15, 20 years just to get laid off or just to be miserable and put up with it because work and work and fun is fun. Nuh-uh. These boomers and Gen Xers were telling their kids from a young age, you be happy in your life, be happy with work, life's too short, don't waste it. You know, if you're not being respected and enjoying what you're doing, you need to change. That is where that mentality came from. It wasn't part of some chip that was put in their brain. Okay. Right. And then the other things, too, is I laugh about it, you know, not only have they been told that they're respected and valued by their families this whole time, more so than any other generation. I mean, that whole saying of children are seen and not heard went out the window when these guys started showing up, right. okay? But we have our society, I mean, our government has told them that they're valued from day one as well by instituting laws like bicycle helmet laws. Right. Yeah, I never had a bicycle helmet. I didn't have a bicycle helmet either. I you didn't wear shoes. You were out there and in yeah. traffic. and <laughs> We were running around, no knee pads, skateboards, wearing thongs, going. You know, I laugh about it that the only thing that was protecting my skull from the pavement was my hair. That was the only thing between those two things. And now the government, when these guys started showing up, put in bicycle helmet laws, which is the government's way of saying, we value you as a child, we don't want you to be hurt, we don't want you to die, we love you, we love you, we love you, and we right. value you, okay? The baby on board placards, God forbid you get too close to the minivan, I have a baby on board, I have a baby, everybody have a baby on board, you know, the bumper stickers that were invented, the, you know, my child was the valedictorian of Smith Preschool, you know, right. whatever, all of that stuff came when this generation was born. So if you're an employer or a manager and you're wondering why you have someone who's kind of high maintenance and requires some hugs and affection and kudos on a regular basis, that's why. They were raised that way. Everybody has been telling them, not just their parents, but our society and our government, that they are special and they need to be valued from day one. There's no other generation in the history of our country that was raised with that type of adoration. I laughed about it when I read it in your book that even the, the little league team that came in last got a trophy. Everybody got a trophy. Everybody gets a star. Everybody gets a smiley face. Everybody's equal. Kumbaya. I mean, this is like the colors of Benetton at its finest. These, these guys have been raised to work in packs and work in groups and respect one another. And, you know, like I said, they've been raised with adoration. Is it true that over 50% of high school students now, part of being able to graduate is mm -hmm. to do volunteer work? Yeah, and that's something that I learned when I wrote the book. I didn't realize it because it certainly wasn't required when I was going to school. I graduated high school in 1982, and I'm 44 now, and I didn't know that. And so I, that's another reason, you know, is part of the recruitment phase and uh, retention phase and attracting them to your brand to want to work for you. That whole philanthropic bent is very important to them. They really want to work for companies that, that care. Okay. So, which, again, a call to action. If you are a company, a salon, and you could be a salon with five staff members, mm -hmm. if you are a company trying to attract and retain this fabulous future employee, yeah. which your company needs to not only maintain but to grow and survive, what are some of the, the things that a company should be looking at? I think kind of me jumping ahead here, but you, okay. you, you brought up being philanthropic. You also gave an example here you know, today that some companies' version of being philanthropic, of giving back, is the weekly food drive once a year, and that's all that they do. Yeah, Not Christmas that that's not time. important. 
-hmm. Yeah. But it's the ongoing efforts that a company needs to have. And I've got clients who are doing some wonderful things, and the first thing I tell them is, I don't see this on your website. I don't see this in any of your recruitment materials. You've got it buried off to something, you know, yeah, we support such and such cause, or whether it's Habitat for Humanity, or they come up with their own foundation, or whatever. I said, all of this has got to be brought up to the forefront in your recruiting materials, because this is something, it's a big selling point to a millennial who may be looking, you know, at your company and fielding other offers as well. If a millennial is looking at income, okay, how much money am I going to make? Where does that fall on the list of order of importance for them? Well, I would still say it's in the top five, just like it is for any generation, okay. but it's not as important as it was or is tends to be for the boomer and Gen X. I mean, and okay. that's different because boomers and Gen X tend to have more financial issues or you know, um, financial overhead just in the sheer nature of their age, you know, mortgages and such. Right. But it used to be when the, especially the Gen X first came into the workforce, mm -hmm. there it was much more money, money, money. This generation, it's not as much. It's more of job satisfaction, who's going to respect me. Number one, practically, is like, is this a fun work environment and am I going to enjoy my time here or is this going to feel like a job? Okay. So give us some key ideas on how to attract this generation. Uh, one idea that I really like, first of all, any company, large or small, regardless of what industry or business, needs to have a presence online. Okay? Okay. And that sounds like common sense, but a lot of companies don't take advantage of it. Okay. You need to be where they are. They are online. 85% of college students are, are on Facebook. There's over hmm. 200 million users on MySpace, wow. right? That's where they hang out. That is their online virtual world. It is where they communicate. So if you are a potential employer and you do not have a presence there, you're really missing the boat. In terms of YouTube, which I love, is there's some very cool stuff that people can check out. And I don't care if you're a, a small company or a large company, okay? If you want to attract talent, it's almost more imperative for a smaller company that doesn't have a brand recognition to attract talent. Um, so if, let's say you're a smaller no-name type company, there are creative ways that you can get on to YouTube and have a presence. Um, do interviews like what you and I are doing, but do them in person and put that video up there. Huh. If you're a salon owner who owns a small salon, figure out a topic that you want to do and once a month interview some, interview a local expert about it, put it up there. It can be, you know, make it all health beauty related. That could be a bazillion different topics. When I read your book and you said it's important to have a presence on YouTube, um, so I'm thinking, oh, okay, we got to spend some money to create a professional video that showcases our company, and that's what goes on to YouTube. And you actually said that that's actually could even be a little bit detrimental, that that's not what YouTube is all about. Yeah, it's YouTube and podcasts and all that kind of stuff. You know, people kind of want it scrappy. You know, people want it, you know, earthy and don't want it all monetized and, you know, customized and super slick. Really good example that companies can do on a, on a that's on a big level, but they can pare down, is if you can go to YouTube and just check out Deloitte, uh, the big accounting firm. Right. They did a great thing where they did the Deloitte Film Festival, where they put it out to their employees to do 30 to 60 to 90 second little videos about what it's like to work at Deloitte. Right. Some were funny, some were sentimental, some were touching, some were hilarious, some <laughs> were just, you know, just, you know, straightforward. So they had the employees did it didn't cost Deloitte a dime, right? <laughs> the employees went and did it. They held this big film festival internal online where everybody in Deloitte voted. The top ten were the ones that went 
on YouTube, and it has been a phenomenal recruiting tool for Deloitte. And it didn't cost them? Didn't cost a, a Deloitte dime. a dime, no, because the employees could choose to make it as um, heavily produced or as, as scrappy as they wanted it. Okay. What else can we do to attract this generation? What else is important to them? Uh, one of the main, main things, well, you know, it's got to start with your corporate culture shift, okay? If you're out there saying that you've got a really fun work environment and you support work-life balance and all those things, but then once somebody gets there of any generation and you've promised those things and you're not doing it, then they're going to leave, okay? Right. Uh, another good idea, in terms of attracting them, another good idea is um, using the flash drives. Okay. You know, getting your corporate message or your company information on a flash drive. You can also add a video to it, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. You can use those handing out at job fairs and such, rather than just spending tons of money on printing collateral. Okay, so there's some really cool things you can do with that. Now, once you've attracted people to your brand, and you're actually starting to engage in the dance of the recruitment, you know, the key things that managers and recruiters need to be saying to this generation to entice them even more are things like, there will be flexibility. Now, when I speak of flexibility, immediately companies go to flex time. You know, like, I just want to work from 10 to 2. And I'm not saying flex time. I'm saying flexibility. Okay, what do you okay? mean by that? Which means that there is some flexibility in the corporate culture to perhaps allow you to work from home every once in a while. Okay. That there's some flexibility in the culture that if you want to leave at 3.30 every Wednesday because there's this really important yoga class or weight training program, whatever, that the corporate culture is such that the world won't end if you leave at 3.30. Okay. okay? Flexibility in terms of learning about other departments and other jobs within the company versus just being hired for one thing and no one wants to expose you to anything else going in the company. Um, mentoring is key and critical. Millennials want hand-holding. In the audience today, we had one of your millennial employees, and any time I mention something, I passed it by him. I do it every time I do a seminar or a workshop. Mm -hmm. There's always a couple millennials, and I'll always say, one of the main reasons I do that is so that the boomer and Gen X management teams that are typically in the audience don't think that I'm just making this up. Right. There are several millennials in the audience that are like that are their employees. I didn't plan them there. Right. I'm like, and so what do you guys think about what I just said? Not in their head. She's absolutely right, and it's imperative for the managers to no, hear that. Because I I've heard you a couple of times, mm -hmm. and you really push this one that they that your company needs to have mentoring. Yeah. Why is that so important to this generation? They have been handheld pretty much their whole lives and coddled and nurtured, as we discussed earlier, and they are expecting that in the workforce. They want to know what happens next. They want to know about their career path, okay? They want to know that when they're there, there is going to be someone that's going to care about them and that is going to help them along and help them address questions, address any questions and concerns that they may have. I've had companies that have never had a mentor program ever and that have put that into place in the what it's done in terms of their ability to recruit millennials by simply being able to say, and we offer a really powerful mentor program okay. that attracts, and to retain them is key. Okay, so I'm you know, relating this to the beauty industry. A lot of salons, again, they set up their educational program you know, 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and some of them you know, went through that training program, which was you know, you're going to be an assistant for two years, which means show up at this time and 
we'll just see what happens. And you're going to sweep a lot of hair and fold a lot of towels, and mm-hmm. which is fine. That's all part of you know paying your dues and being part of the staff and you know growing, so to speak. But what you're saying is that this generation needs a lot more mentoring and input on a daily basis Correct. in they the process. A lot of one-on-one, a lot of communication, and it doesn't have to be with their manager. Sometimes it's better to set up a, manage, a mentor program where it's someone who's in a completely different department that otherwise this person would never know. It gives them a different perspective on the company. It might be that the person who's best suited to be their mentor based on a personality level is not someone that's their manager. Okay. Right? It's, yeah. And it's good for someone to have their mentor be outside of their day-to-day manager because they might want to have someone that they can speak to about perhaps grievances about their current job and their current boss and get some guidance and advice around that. I've heard you also say that they want to get there, there quicker. Meaning, yes. th- to them, if I'm qualified for the raise, for the promotion, for the opportunity, then why do I have to be here for two years before I get it? Right. That's absolutely true. There's a great quote. I can't remember the gal who said it, but it was something to the effect of millennials feel that if they are having to stay at a job to pay their dues, that they're just occupying space. Okay. Okay? Which is a very powerful quote. And I know for sure it was a senior vice president of HR of a large corporation that said it. Okay? Okay. And her mentality, they had to change their entire corporate culture because their promotion strategy of employees was based on whoever had been there the longest. Right. They'd been doing that for decades. Right. Well, they just threw all that out the window the past couple of years, and it's now whoever is the best qualified, regardless of your age and regardless of how long you've been with the company. Right. Which is very, very different for very a lot radical. of companies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because normally it's based, you get moved up based on your seniority and how much time you spent. <laughs> and the millennials have really shifted that. But then, you know, people have to look at it and go, well, those darn millennials, because they're just going to keep getting moved up. I didn't say that the person who got promoted is always a millennial. They just wanted to know that the playing ground was fair. Got it. In your opinion, does this generation learn it faster than, than say, a boomer or Generation X? I tend to find that the millennials do grasp onto things quickly. And is that because of how they were raised, meaning they were just bombarded with so much information and they were they grew up on computers and they grew up with is yeah. is that how they got that way? They're phenomenal. Talk to us about that. Yeah, they're phenomenal multitaskers. Okay. Phenomenal multitaskers. Again, this is all good news. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's nothing bad about this. You know, this is okay. Right. Um this isn't anything to be freaked out by, right? But they're like any generation. I think any generation that came before them, every generation gets a little bit more and more sophisticated just based on how the world goes and all the new inventions that happened during that time frame and all of that. And these guys, without a doubt, are wired differently than us. Okay. But, you know, I mean, I have a two-year-old, and he's already attracted to my cell phone all the time and, you know, you know starting to figure out the remote control. I can't even believe it, you know. Right. I mean, it freaks me out, but right. I have to keep going back and going, this is just, you know, they're starting even younger now. Right. You know? Um, but yeah, their multitasking ability, their ability to grasp on to concepts and wanting to things to be streamlined and done more efficiently, okay. that's really key. You know, they, I've seen them come into organizations and go, I get why you're running this process, but did you know that there's a better way to do it? 
and a company going, really? And they're going, yeah, there's actually the software. I know you're running it on software now, but there's this other software that's come along. But no one at the company had reviewed it for five or six years, and it had the if it ain't broke, don't fix it mentality. Right. And some 21-year-old came in and streamlined the whole thing and right. also increased their productivity. Oh, every time I buy line. a new gadget of anything, whether it's a cell phone or a computer or anything, I don't touch it. I, I give it over to one of my millennials, and yeah. they... And they Put it all together and figure it all out yeah. and get it all turned on and set up. And then they say, mm -hmm. touch this, push here, and that's how that works. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, in terms of fundamental things like, you know, are they picking up on how to be a salesperson faster? You know, that kind of stuff. Not, you know, not necessarily. I mean, that's a different type of, of thing. You know, I mean, that's a different type of specialty. But in overall terms of them being able to come in and grasp complex issues and figure them out, and execute quickly, yes. I would say I find that on a regular basis. So what do you say to a, a baby boomer boss or a Generation X boss who's listening to this? And, mm -hmm. you know, of course, they had to work 60 hours a week to build a clientele in the salon. And now this new millennial right out of beauty school is saying, I can only work four days a week and I need... You know. How do you coach that boss to create the right culture that's going to retain this millennial because these salons, these companies listening yeah. to this, they need this generation. They need this generation and everybody needs this generation. And unfortunately, I say this unfortunately for the sake of the boomer man and Gen Xers listening to this, is that you've got to make the shift. You've got to change your old ways and you've really got to assess them and you've got to be okay with making these adjustments right. because they, being the millennials, aren't going to change their demands and requirements. They just aren't. Yeah. Okay? And so we have to change. I'm seeing companies at 30, 40, 50 years making very radical shifts. And I'm talking huge law firms, small law firms, accounting firms, high-tech companies, you name it. I met with a very large insurance company in Michigan recently, a well-known company. They're running into a lot of culture shift changes because they've been an older company median age about 45 to 50 years old people are starting to retire they're already starting to see that thing happen that I told you about and yeah. they're going holy poop what are we gonna do we've got to start you at least have a sexy industry right, right? that attracts youth culture yeah. these guys they're having to attract them to like the insurance industry not too sexy not too sexy and, and where they're located isn't a real sexy place either so they're having to go through a lot of this and it's really 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 challenging but they're doing it and they're making those shifts because they know they have to I actually featured a salon owner on masters not too long ago and I think I guess she's had her salon for about 15 years and her assistant training program lasted for two years that's what she was raised with that's what she started her salon with and and then all of a sudden she's noticed in the last couple of years that you know after 12 months of this training they left so they got 12 months of her brilliant training, and then they were gone. And after going through this, she finally sat them down and said, okay, you know, I'm not too happy about you leaving and taking, you know, I just spent all this money training, and now you're using it down the street in another salon. You know, why are you doing this? She said, because they want it quicker, you know? And she was so upset about that for the longest time until she realized, you know what, I can either continue to be upset about it and not change and continue to lose them, or I can adjust. Or I can and she adjusted, and she's thrilled as can be. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a perfect, perfect example for your industry and for any industry. I'll tell you, I, I deal with a lot of companies that aren't willing to make those changes and I tell them, well, you can either just sit here and complain about it till the cows come home. Right. 
or you can make some changes and see some differences. So what do you say to people who, who think that this generation is not goal-oriented? Talk to us about that. A huge study done by New American Media, I believe, of millennials <clears throat> in high school, okay. just done last year, and roughly 97% of those answering the survey said that they identified most with this statement, and that 97% related most to, if I work hard, I can achieve my goals. Huh. I mean, 90, almost 100% of the young people that answered the survey related most to that. Huh? That does not sound like a lazy, non-goal-oriented generation to me at all. Well, a lot of people find that a very surprising statistic. Again, very good news. Yeah. How's their confidence level? Confidence level's big. Confidence level for them is pretty big, again, because they were told they were valued and you know nurtured and all that fun stuff. However, they do tend to need a lot of positive strokes and a positive reinforcement okay. because the confidence level can wane pretty quickly if they're not receiving feedback on a regular basis. And I don't mean like, you know, oh, the quarterly review that people typically do. Well, some I'm people do a yearly that. review, and you're saying a quarterly review is not enough. No, I'm saying... How often do they need a input? A monthly review isn't even enough. How often do they need input on their job performance? Daily. How often a day? I would say, well, based on the statistics by Robert Half International and Yahoo Hot Jobs, did their big study last year on what Gen Y is looking for in a work environment, over 60% of millennials surveyed responded they wanted to have communication with their manager at least once a day. Wow. <laughs> over 60%. Now, when I put that statistic out there and I'm sitting in a room full of frontline managers... <laughs> <laughs> my They're seminars. thinking, well, how am I going to fit this I, one in? I see. I just did this by about 100 people in the audience, and I saw more than half of them all just roll their eyes and go, oh, no. you know. But I tell them, this is the reality of this generation, and they so, want to communicate with you. They want to talk to you. They want to hear from you. They're not of the generation like a lot of boomers and Gen X where it's like, I don't care if I don't talk to my boss for a week. Right. You know, I, I'm fine with a quarterly review, and then you can tell me how great I am. Right. You know, these guys, and this, I'm not saying necessarily you need to tell them how great they are. It's not every day to call them and say, you're great. It's to say, how are you doing? What can I help you with? How are things going? They're telling, that survey tells you. It's not a big, you know, mystery. It, they're saying it in these surveys. You know, the thing I've, I've also noticed, um, because I obviously work with a lot of millennials, and you also mentioned in the book that they are comfortable giving their opinion. Because they've been asked their opinion. When I was a kid, you know, you shut up in the corner and, you know. Your, your parents didn't care what car you thought they should buy. Right. Right? Now parents no. are going to their kids at 10 years old saying, do you think we should get that minivan, that SUV, or that hybrid? And the 10-year-old saying, well, I think we should get that, or that's the TV we should get. It's interesting. We were with a 10-year-old. We stayed with a friend of ours, and, and he has a 10-year-old. I kept on asking this kid, how old are you? I was just so surprised at how... Well educated he was Ten about going um, on thirty. Yes, but multiple <laughs> topics like he studies or like he knew about. I can't even repeat it because I don't even know about it. But, but he knew about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're going online and they're not just limited. You have to remember when we were kids, we were pretty much limited in our education to whatever it was that was being chosen to be taught at school. Right. Maybe you read the paper, but I didn't know. I mean, I sure as heck at ten or eleven wasn't reading the paper. Right. And maybe I'd catch the news a little bit if my folks had it on. But for the most part, that was it. That's right. how you learn. Right, and so now it's like they go online, and the, the front page on Yahoo. 
Yahoo or whatever, it's like there's the top line news stories right there. You know, it's very interesting. And how much this generation is back into the political game and bringing youth back into politics is also phenomenal. So give us a call to action in terms of, of that their opinions and their ideas need to matter. Tell our listeners here what they need to do with that information. In terms of, it's, it's going to them for their opinion. It's respecting their age and respecting their wisdom even though they're young. You know, I mentioned to you that I had moderated a panel at Yahoo where I had five different millennial gals, each from a different company. They weren't all from Yahoo. Okay. And I'd ask them, do you feel as though you've hit the glass ceiling? You know, at work, are you experiencing that at this early stage in your career? And all of them said, no, we're not experiencing that yet uh, at all. What we are experiencing is ageism, a new form of diversity issue like racism. It's ageism. Is that on all? Every one of the gals said this from different companies, right? They each said that we don't feel like our opinions are valued because of our age. Not because they were women, but nope. because of their age. Yeah. Wow. They, they actually said when I mentioned the boy-girl thing in terms of uh, you know glass ceilings and favoritism and stuff, their experience so far had been that they felt equal to boys and that, you know, young guys that didn't even matter to them. But this ageism thing really bugged So this them. generation was raised that boys and girls are equal. Yes, for the, the and that part. And that different races are equal, and this is a kind of a global community for them. They were comfortable in having friends of every color, of every race, or sexual yeah. orientation, and of age and everything. Yeah, not a big deal with these guys. Okay. Not, not, for the most part, like I said. You know, there's always exceptions to every rule. Right. But for the most part, they, you know, they're like, okay, gay marriage totally makes sense to me. You know, there was a big survey done where they answered, 87% answered that they would marry and or date outside of their race. 87%. Yeah. They don't care. So how is this generation with having a, a woman as a boss? tend to be totally fine with it, not a big deal. You figure these young men have had pretty strong uh, female role models with moms that are boomers and Gen X, and a lot of them very career-oriented, so they're accustomed to it. And, you know, this whole thing about Hillary running for president, to them it was just cool, for the most part. Like, this is great. Right. You know, but the female male boss to a young male millennial, it's not a big deal. Okay. As long as we're still talking about women, and you mentioned your millennial chicks, mm -hmm. what do they value most in the work environment? I think, you know, it's across the board, so it's not necessarily a male-female thing. I think, with the, again, the number one value to either sex is a fun environment. They want a fun environment. If you do not have a fun environment, figure out how to make a fun environment. And I'm dead serious about that. That is number one. So I love that. And, and, and a lot of people think, well, to have a fun environment means we're going to have fun at that company picnic that we're going to have in three months from now. That's yeah. when we'll have fun. Right. That's not what they're looking for. No. Mm -mm. It has no. to be a lot more often than that. It has, you know, I mean, I'm talking like the Friday barbecues or the Friday beer bus or there's always, you know, you get to the point where there's allowing music to be played. It doesn't have to be things that cost a company a lot of money. It doesn't even have to be things that cost the company money at all. But bringing in a fun environment. And if you are a company that is at a loss of what you could do, then my advice to you is gather up a couple of your millennials. And if you only have one, then go get your one millennial at your company, right? 
and bring them together and sit down and brainstorm. How do we make it fun? So don't sit here listening to this as a 55-year-old boomer manager going, oh, great, how am I going to make it fun? Or a salon owner. Oh, you, don't, you don't have how to figure it out. Th- don't worry about it. Turn it over to them. You're already busy. Right. Have your staff let you know what would be fun. It's amazing how many managers and company owners don't go to their own team and say, how do you think this could be a more fun place to work? What could we be doing to make this more enjoyable for you? What, what it's would, rarely, rarely asked. And how would that empower a staff if all of a sudden the boss came out of their big old office and said, hey, you guys, I want to know, yeah. how could we make this place more fun? What would that do for the company oh morale? Oh, my God. The morale would skyrocket. They would notice a, a huge increase in productivity. If they've been suffering from turnover of any generation, they'll probably notice that that shifts a little bit okay. and goes in a more positive direction. Uh, when people are having fun and laughing, creativity skyrockets, yeah. uh, absenteeism diminishes. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. And it's amazing how many employers don't get that. I find it shocking because it's so different than how I've owned my company for I'm always years. amazed at how often that can happen in the beauty industry. Again, this is a sexy, fun Yeah, you guys are supposed industry. to be fun, man. Oh, we're fun. Yeah. <laughs> but there's some that just... You know, you walk into these salons and it's just this, again, this old school mentality. Mm -hmm. I see it, you know, as a client of salons and nail salons and stuff where I'm like, oh, brother. You know, I expect it to be upbeat and have some energy going. That's why you're there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, you mentioned what you call helicopter parents. Yeah. What is that? (laughs) Helicopter parents is a term that is used to describe the parents of the millennials hovering. So they've been hovering (laughs) over them their whole lives like a helicopter. Then they go off to school or wherever they go, and off they hover. And then maybe they go to college or beauty school or whatever. Hover, hover, hover. And then the parents continue to hover over them as they enter the professional work environment, which, yes, is true. And I have met managers in my seminars who have gotten calls from their millennial parents of an employee. Say, how's my son or daughter doing? Yeah, or even to the As point... As if they're calling their grade school teacher or high yeah, school teacher. Yeah. Yeah. I don't agree with that, by the way, just so that people listening don't okay, think okay. that I'm a supporter of, like, the millennial parents calling and checking. I, I think that totally crosses the line. But I've even had managers tell me they've gotten the call saying, Hi, I'm Susie's mom, and Susie came home last night and had dinner and told us that she didn't get the promotion. And so I was calling to find out why Fred got the promotion instead. <laughs> right? I mean, like, right. taking it to that extreme. So right. okay. in terms of the parental involvement in their lives as they go into the professional work environments, okay. it is true. It may not be to that magnitude, okay. but I feel very strongly, and I do consult with companies, that they need to be catering to the parents a little bit. It can help with retention, and it can help with uh, recruitment. So even maybe involving the parents even through the interview process? So like if your son or daughter is going to come to our school or come work at our salon or come work for our company, have an opportunity where mom and dad get to come and check out the salon or check out the company as well. So I I think you mentioned that there's a committee. It's not not just mom and dad. It could be grandma could be involved. And obviously their friends have a huge influence on helping them make these decisions as well, correct? Yes, they do. Definitely the parent. 
Definitely, okay. whether it's just the mom or the dad or whatever. So related to the industry, is. what should we do? Should, should mom and dad come to the career day or a, Absolutely. a salon and spa day yes. or a family day where you get to come and we have some free services and for mom and dad and they get to experience what the yes. salon culture is all about and we have a little motivational seminar from the owner about the culture? Okay. I will tell you right now, I know of professional recruiters and I'm speaking of professional recruiters that have been in the business for 30 years that now understand the importance of inviting mom and or dad or whatever the family makeup situation is to come to the recruitment lunch with Sally or Bobby, even though Sally and Bobby may be 22 or 23 years old, right. to discuss them working for that company. Okay. Because they know, the recruiters do, and the HR people, they know that if they can get mom and or dad excited about the company, they will play a very big role in telling their child who's offered to accept. Oh. And when I say child, I mean adult child. Okay? Oh, okay. And it's big. And I mean, there's companies like Merrill Lynch that are doing things like family days. Wow. Yeah. Where it's like, bring your parents, bring them, let's tour them around, let's show them around, let's tell them where you might be working if you accept our offer, that kind of stuff. Talk to us about the importance of their first day of work. First day of work is huge. There's a wonderful little story that I express in my book and I make sure to mention in the seminars. This is regardless of the company size um, and that is make their first day memorable. I believe that it's important for all generations. Okay, so this is not just something you do for the millennials. Right. So if you have a if you have a baby boomer who's brand yeah, new to you work, just you need 46 to hire a forty-six-year-old person at your company. They need the to, first day they show up okay. because even if they've been around the corporate world a lot, it's still a new job to them too, and they're showing up nervous. Right. Maybe not as nervous as a millennial. It's their first day at a real job out of college or whatever, right? right. But they're still nervous, and. Making that very first day important where the owner of the company, depending on the size of the company, is the person who greets that person in the lobby, not the terrible situation of you go in there, the receptionist doesn't know who the heck you are, no one's even told the receptionist that a new person's coming on board and giving your name. You're saying, you know, hi, I'm Sally Jones and I'm here and I'll be working for Fred, you know. Oh, I don't, you know, go sit down right now, I'm too busy, we'll find someone. And then when they do buzz up to the office, the person who's going to be the millennial's direct report boss won't even get off his or her rear end to come down and greet the millennial. He or she sends down her assistant. Right. Okay. Sets a horrible tone for the relationship and the employment situation. Imagine right off the bat, you're the person sitting there. Your first day is starting off like that. Mayhem. No one knows who the heck you are. And what are you doing? You're sitting in the lobby texting all your friends. I hate this place. Yeah, I can't even believe it. I've been sitting here for 20 minutes and my new boss hasn't even come down to greet me. And, oh, he just sent his assistant. Right. You know? And they just texted everybody. Yeah, right? So, I mean, I tell people. And posted their resume on Craigslist. Yeah, I walked out and they quit their first day and they're gone, right? Right. Um, which I, I've seen it happen. Yeah. So, Definitely, definitely making that first day memorable. You know, and I'll tell you, the number one thing to everybody listening is the managers, the, and I'm speaking the direct report managers to whom the millennial is reporting to on a daily basis. The pressure for them, for the retention of this generation, has more pressure on them than any other generation in the history of our country. It's those frontline people. Those so, so frontline managers. In the salon, if you're a hairdresser and you have an assistant, your role 
in, in adopting this new style of management and abandoning old school leadership yep. and, and what you had to go through 20 years ago yeah. to get to where you are today. Blah, and blah, you're, blah. Blah, yeah. The pressure is on that person to adopt a new level of leadership and mentoring for this new person. And yes, and understanding this generation and really taking a close look at your personal management style and assessing what about it could be altered and what about it should I be considering. Chances are any change you make in your personal management style will be one that will benefit you with all the generations that you work with and co-work with. Okay. Okay, Kurt style, Kurt communication styles, aggressive nature, you know, because I said so, type mentality, answering, that type of stuff doesn't work with millennials. And the number one thing that people need to understand is that the millennials and the Gen Xers and the boomers all want the same thing. We all want to have a fun work environment. We all want to be treated with respect. We all want a manager that we love. We all want that, okay? The difference is the millennials have less tolerance for anything less than that than the boomers and Gen Xers do. The boomers were brought up to just be happy you have a job, stay in it, Put even if your boss it. is a jerk, who cares? Even if you don't like your company and what you do, you stay there, just be happy you have a job, on and on and on. The millennials were raised with life's too short, get out. If you're treated with disrespect and you hate what you do, get out. Okay. So they have less tolerance. We all want the same thing in the workplace but the millennials are coming in and demanding it versus feeling like they need to work for 10 or 15 years before they're comfortable asking for certain things. Right. They're demanding it now. But the shifts and the corporate culture changes that I advocate and that I see my clients do and I see it happen with you know positive results mm -hmm. are things that everybody ends up benefiting from. It's just the millennials are the squeaky wheel that are finally making some of these old school mentalities shift. And that's a wonderful thing for everybody. They're the catalyst that's going to help us get what we all want. They are the catalyst that are going to help get what we all want. And even another side note to that is that some companies don't think about is the possibility of them being able to retain some of those boomers who were thinking of an early retirement because oh, they hated working there, wow. you know, or whatever. Like, oh, well, I'll go now. Are like hey, this corporate culture shift's pretty darn cool. This is like a new company. I, I'm digging this. You might get another five to six years out of that boomer, and you need that. You Meaning. don't need that boomer brain drain at your company. You need them to stay as long as they possibly can. So what you're saying is if, if the millennial is unhappy, you're going to hear about it. Mm -hmm. And if you're hearing about it, then guess what? That means that your baby boomers are unhappy as well. They're just not they're voicing just, it. Yeah, they're just farther along in the food chain and they're kind of like, yeah, whatever, I've been putting it up like this for 20 years. Uh, you know, that kind of mentality. Uh, I'll be out of here in a couple more years. Who cares? Or I plan on retiring next year anyway. And all of yeah. a sudden you get some life, new life brought into it and all of a sudden it becomes a fun environment. People, People are don't communicating are better. You know, it's it, everything's enjoyable. There seems to be much more of a camaraderie than mm. there had never been before. And suddenly this boomer's like, you know what? Hanging out here for another couple years doesn't seem so bad. You mentioned that old style of leadership where it's very curt and disrespectful. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, there tends to, I mean, I think most people listening will, will agree that the typical management leadership style of a hundred plus years in our country has been the fear-based, I'm the boss and you're not type of mentality, right. right? I'm in the ivory tower, you're a waif, right. you know, that whole hierarchical type of approach to management, you hmm. know, um, just do it or you're going to be fired. 
you know, fear-based, threat-based. I mean, it's really what's run a vast majority of our companies for decades and decades and decades and decades. And the reason why it exists is because it worked. Yeah, it just people were... But not anymore. Yeah, like I said, boomers and Gen X and the hmm. veteran generation before them, people of my father's age, my dad just turned 80, were of the keep your mouth shut, just do it, this is work, work is work, and you're not supposed to really enjoy work, it's called work. And if your boss is... Oh my gosh, I've heard that so many times. Right, right. That that's why they call it work. That's why they call it work. Well, the thing is, the millennials have a very blurred line between work and social. They want their workplace to be enjoyable, and if it's not, they'll leave. What do you mean by a we value you culture? The will, it goes back to the thing we were talking about a little bit earlier with, you know, our government, our society, parents have been valuing them you know, we value you. We don't want you to get hurt. We love you. We adore you. We support you. All of that type of stuff. When you have been raised with that, do you your whole lives from government telling you we value you everything? It, do you suddenly think that at 22 or 23, when they enter a professional work environment, they're suddenly not going to have that feeling? Mm -hmm. So I tell companies you really need to turn into a we value you culture of any generation. The number one reason people leave a company is based on lack of rewards and recognition. Okay. The number one reason. Now when you put that combined with the millennials who have a little bit of a needier type mentality and have been raised even more intensely about being valued, it really makes for a high turnover rate if rewards and recognition are not a continual part of a company's culture and belief system. So the reason why I asked that is yeah. because it kind of leads me into another thing that you had brought up earlier that there could be people listening to this who think that the strength of their brand is what will retain mm. them. Our, we're, we're a famous company, and we're not going to name any companies here, but we're a famous company, so people would love to have the name of our company on their resume and on their business card, and so they're going to put up with this old school right. style of leadership and management. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up because that's a very good point. It, it kind of puts a light bulb over the heads of people when I'm speaking to them. Generation-wise psychological attachment to a company is going to be with the relations embedded within the company and I'm paraphrasing a great quote from a woman who, who said that that I actually have in my book I can't remember her name off the top of my head but she's a professor at like the University of Wisconsin and she's an HR specialist something to that level and that is the truth their their psychological connection with the company and loyalty with the company is the relationships that are embedded within the company. Now think about it, Wynn, for a second. The boomers and Gen X mentality was totally different. You were married to the brand. You were loyal to the brand. Even if you didn't like your boss, even if you didn't like your coworkers, you still stayed there because of the brand. Your brand might be something now that will attract millennials to want to work for your company, right? But the minute they walk through the door on their first day, they don't care what the logo is on the outside of that building anymore. If they're not attached to their managers, have good mentor program, enjoy their coworkers, and enjoying the relationships that they're building, they will go. They will leave, and they will leave That's quickly. That's a powerful, powerful message. They will leave quickly. Yeah, it's a very, very intense thing that, that most companies don't think about. <laughs> you know, they think, well, of course, you know, we're a huge well-known company. Who wouldn't want to work here? And it doesn't always work that way with these guys. You said earlier that income is kind of far down the list 
from what people would think about how much money they make and that's why they choose to work or not work for a company. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the reason why they're leaving is because they're not receiving acknowledgement and, and praise and that kind of support. So what are some of the, uh, I guess, rewards? If they're going to be rewarded, we can't promote them every day. We can't give them another raise. We can't you know, always give them something right. that costs the company money. So what are ways of rewarding them? And I think you said that this needs to come along quite often. Yeah, it, it, like I said, it, it does need to come across quite often. Sitting with you at a quarterly review and you telling me how great I am is typically not going to be often enough for them. Okay. So there are companies that are taking it to the extreme, but they're finding really, really great results around it. And a couple other examples, and these are, you know, these are a little bit more extreme, but it just shows what the length some companies are going to. Right. There's a particular well-known name brand that hired a celebrations assistant. They designated one of their employees to become a celebrations assistant. So her, her, his or her only job was to well, celebrate. Yeah, like she's an admin and helps support, you know, okay. a, a department. Right. But what happens is people email her, different managers, okay. her bosses, right, email her and say, oh. hey, you got to go to Wynn's Cubicle and, you know, tell he did a great job in that meeting yesterday and I just want him to know. So okay. she'll go over with a whole handful of a bag of confetti and throw it all over you and say, this is from your boss. He thought you did a great job at the meeting yesterday and mm. shower you in confetti. But okay. you can also choose to have helium balloons if you don't want confetti at this particular company. Mm. But I love it in the sense that, number one, it brings in fun. It happens almost every single day, right? Okay. And number two... It causes this really wonderful, warm psychological thing where everybody who walks by his or her cubicle the whole time and sees confetti for the whole day stops and goes, "When? What did you do? Mm. Well, I did something." With me. It keeps that positive recognition mm -hmm. and feeling valued going because someone sees the confetti around right. your cubicle or sees the balloons off your hanging off your wall. Right. It's very, very, very powerful stuff if you mm. take it a step back from it just being confetti and the silliness of it. It's pretty powerful in terms of morale and motivation. I also well. liked your idea earlier that a manager or owner is sitting listening to this thinking, you know, what am I going to come up with? Well, maybe you don't have to come up with something. Yeah. Maybe you can turn it over to your committee yeah. and say, hey, you guys, if we were, let's come up with a fun, creative way to celebrate each other's victories. I mean, companies are notorious for catching people doing things wrong. Somebody makes a mistake, we instantly notice it, we instantly comment on it, we yeah. instantly... You know, but, Go to but, the dark side. Exactly. Ask. But people are having victories, and, and I think that we need to celebrate even the little tiny victories. The little tiny victories lead us to bigger victories. And Absolutely. And again, this isn't just, oh, only the millennials at that company got Everybody needs this. It was for everybody. It's just they had never put together a formal rewards and recognition program before. Hmm. A lot of these companies hadn't. But they knew that for retention... They needed to with the millennials. None of this stuff is just, you know, specific to a generation. You'll get sued, right? You can't suddenly just start doing special things for one particular generation. Right. They have to become company-wide or department-wide initiatives depending on what your company size is. Right. You know, I tell people, look, you, you know, you have a huge corporation. I understand that maybe you can't turn this into, a, you know, for these 15,000 employees, but you sure as heck can be the best darn manager of your department of five people or 30 people right. and be known around the company. Right. for what you do and also be enjoying the least amount of turnover turnover in your department in your department yeah. and people will come to you as kind of like the flagship and go how do you do it and you'll say well 
I took on some of these advice that I read in this book or heard on this DVD, right? And I, right. And I implemented some of it, and it's really been helpful. Well, I think most people listening to this, again, in the beauty industry, we know who this generation is because they're all around us. Yep. They're, they're all around our industry. And some of the things in, in <laughs> they're this... Everywhere. They're, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Which, again, has always been really good news for me. I mean, I feel like I went to my high school reunion. I think it was my 20-year. Oh, wow. I looked at them like they were my parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like They just seemed to... They just all my age. They all just seemed old to me. They, they looked old. They yeah. talked old. They acted old. Yeah. And I think it's because I have been around this generation. My career has been to be around this generation. And I'm healthier today. At, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm healthier today than I was at 30. Yeah. I'm more easygoing. I'm more carefree. I'm more re- So I'm a lot of things. And I think it's because this is the generation that I've been around for a while now. And you're up on pop culture. And you're up yeah. on current music. And yeah. you're up on all that kind of stuff, which is key. Well, I, I still watch Golden Girls. I don't know if the millennials are into that, but... <laughs> If that would be like their great-grandparents or, you know. Okay. Yeah. When you were talking today, you were talking about, you kind of like recap some of the things mm-hmm. that, I, especially like I'm managing, which I loved. You said that you have to be sensitive. Yes. Managers have to be sensitive to this generation. Yeah. One of the top things I tell managers is be sensitive and abandon a curt approach. Okay. You said treat them with respect. This Absolutely. is all they know. This is what they were raised with. They yes. were always respected. Yeah. If you're one of those managers who has that harsh attitude and someone questions, why do I have to do that? And you say, because it's part of the job or because I said so. That type of management style is not going to fly very well with this group. Okay. You, but think about it. If you're willing to change your management style a little bit better, chances are everybody in the company is going to like you more because who likes to work with the person who's like that anyway? Yeah. You said to get to know them personally. Why? Yeah. Why? Getting to know them personally really maps into being able to provide even more customized rewards and type recognition for them, getting to know what motivates them, getting to know what makes them tick. Managers tend to do a horrible job at getting to know anything about their employees, and by not knowing about what kind of things they're interested outside of work, what their family's like, all that type of stuff, you're really missing out on being able to be a good manager for them. Hmm. Part of all that is like, what motivates them? Me giving you a $100 bonus might motivate you, but I might have someone else where I know because that he or she is totally into snowboarding that during the winter that part of my rewards for that person is they get to leave, you know, at noon on Fridays to head up to Big Bear and go snowboarding. So they wouldn't really care. $100 they'd forget about. Yeah, but, but the fact just, that, that you yeah. allowed them to leave yeah. work to go do something that they enjoy doing. Right. You know, you do it once a month during the ski season or you give them a past, you know, a, whatever. I'm saying, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't sit there and get to know them about what they're interested in. I mean, you might have an employee who's totally into singing and you have absolutely no idea because it's just something that she doesn't think that you'd be interested in. Like, oh, what did he care about that? Anything, finding out what their favorite music is, that type of stuff. Their favorite artist comes to town, buy him two tickets to the concert. That's huge. We call those magic moments. Oh, and that builds loyalty like you wouldn't believe. It's huge loyalty building. Yeah, and what did it cost? Right. Yeah. So you spent 60, 70, 80 bucks. Big yeah. deal. You might have also just bought a happier employee for a longer period of time who's willing to, you know, go to the mat for you. Lisa, start to wrap this up for us. Give us some key points. Okay. In terms of key points, I would say, you know, understand where they came from, like we talked about how they were raised, they were created, they didn't just show up, right? So we've we've done this, right? Is understand 
how they were created and where they came from and where they currently are coming from. Another big one is, you know, the pressures on the managers like never before. Managers really need some introspection, okay, on, on many levels. They want challenges and responsibility quickly. I tell people you don't have to always make this about giving them raises or promoting them because sometimes that's just not feasible. Right. But perhaps give them an added responsibility like writing an online article for your company mm -hmm. or get your presence up on Facebook or MySpace perhaps yeah. and maybe make them responsible for moderating and taking care of the blog and coming to you with topics and actually have them write the blog for you. And every salon to have a presence on MySpace or, or Facebook would yeah. be huge for them. And most salon owners listening to this are like, first of all, I don't have the time to. Second of all, how do I do that? <laughs> right. Have the, have the millennial this do generation it. Have the know. millennial do it. You yeah. know, um, that's how I look at it. And whether it's a salon owner or whatever company, that you maybe didn't hire the millennial for that particular task, but it's something else you can throw at them to give them an, an increased responsibility right. without it being a raise or a promotion. Right. Okay? You, you think outside the box. That's what companies need to do. Show your fun side. I mean, I, this is so number one. If you're funny with your family, and you're fun with your friends on your weekend barbecues. I don't care whether you're 65 or 48 or 30, right? If you're a Gen X or Boomer and you tend to be cool with your friends and family and enjoyable, bring that to work. That old mentality that Boomers have been having for years where they have to be one person at work and one person at home is ridiculous. This is the time everybody's got to just chill out and relax and get real, right? And start showing up. Because then think of it, it makes it a more fun work environment for who? For everybody, yeah. not just the millennials. Millennials want to see fun and they want to see your real side. Yeah. They don't want to see that, that mask. If they're not into it, they don't get it. Don't delay feedback. We talked about that. Communicate often. Big one. Again, to the managers, the statistics said once a day. The Gen Wires, the millennials said what they wanted. Over 60% of them said they wanted to speak and hear from their managers at least once a day. They're telling you what you want, so accept that information. Provide rewards and recognition. And, you know, I'll, the final one really that comes to mind is, you know, enjoy the, your younger employees. Don't dread them. Don't be angry at them. Don't fight it. Learn from them. You know, really enjoy having them there and get to, like we said, really get to know them. I've seen it breathe big new life into companies that needed it very badly, and I'm speaking of companies of any size, right? I've Absolutely. had a smile on my face yeah. this whole time because, because <laughs> yeah. again, everything, and I said it in the very beginning, this is all very good news. It's not like you and I are discussing a generation that is irresponsible and they're lazy and yeah. they have no values and they're, and oh my gosh, what are we going to do with them? How, how are we going to get this generation to be productive in our workforce? That's not what we're talking about here. It's the opposite of that, and it's all very, very good news. Yeah, and there, there's the def, you know, like things that I write about in the book and that, that I spoke with your team about today. There are definite strategies for managing them effectively. There's definite strategies for motivating them. Lots of strategies about retaining them, okay. right? Um, so it's not, you know, all just, oh, well, let's just throw some confetti every once in a while. There's, there's things that have to be looked at from all sides at all different levels, but the overall overriding good news is, yes, for the most part, these are great young people. They got a lot of drive. They got a lot of heart. They care about things outside of themselves, although sometimes when you're speaking to a teenager, that might be hard to realize. But they do 
have a sensitivity chip in terms of understanding the greater good. You know, they want to make a change in lives. They understand hunger in India. You know, I mean, they're looking at that kind of stuff. And they care about that stuff. They care about that stuff, which is just really, really You also said that they're nice. Yeah. It's one of, one of the bullet points that I say, you know, common millennial traits that managers need to know. And my very first bullet point is millennials are nice. And at first, you know, some people kind of chuckle, but I stop and go, what's a... I didn't need to make it sound any more complicated than that. For the most part, they are very polite, nice, kind, young adults. Absolutely. Cool. Absolutely. So tell our listeners, how do they find you? How do they get your book? Is there a newsletter? Is there a website? Well, let's see here. Um, I've got my blog that I've got a lot of great information on. I'm going to have another podcast launching soon. But the best way to go to find out more about... Oh, and the second edition of the book's coming out, which is cool. Okay. I've got the bonus chapter from Robert Half International and Yahoo Hot Jobs. So they're involved in the book. That's awesome. And, and it has a whole chapter about global millennials, um, which is really cool. But my book can be found at, on Amazon. And for people to learn more about the different things that I offer in terms of seminars and workshops and how I might be able to help them, they can just go to the website millennialsincorporated.com and also the Orrell Group, and that's O-R-R-E-L-L, theorrellgroup.com. Both those URLs go to the same website. Perfect. Yeah. And, of course, we'll put all this information on your insert card, too. Perfect. So, Lisa, you're amazing. Oh, thank you. I feel like I just throw any question about you, and you can just rattle off ten more facts. <laughs> yeah. All so. of a sudden, like, you're like, okay, you're talking too much. No, so we, we this is great. Like ten-part DVD series. Oh, did you see my staff today? They were writing the whole time. You turned on my entire staff today, and we had people there from every single department, from yeah. education to sales to marketing to education. You turned on everybody today. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, we so. had people down from Beverly Hills from the product yeah. Department, not just yep. the school's department or the group. and Yeah, it was a blast. Really, really cool people. And it's just a very fun topic that has a lot of really fun, great information, cool. you know, and cool. I really like to share it with people. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. This has been great. Cool.